Korea. And uh, this morning, our brother David Chiang is going to come and preach God with us. And uh, you know, he is one of the product, one of the product of Life Point Putra Heights. That he has been trained there and has ministered there. And now he has been, uh, uh, God has commissioned him in a new season of his life to be a missionary to Macau. And now he is uh, uh, really touching life there, ministering in the church there, and being useful for the kingdom of God. And he has a passion to win souls for the Lord. And uh, this morning we are so glad that he can come. Yeah, this is the uh, don't mistaken him. He's not the Macau Daikor. He is the Daikor of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! Um, praise the Lord, brother David Chang. Thank you. Thank you, uh, musicians. Uh, let's give them a good uh, hand claps. You now, as I was worshipping uh, together with the team here, I realized how blessed this church is. Because most of the church I've been serving, they are actually really lacking in terms of uh, facilities, manpower. Even in Macau, the church I'm serving, we are so short of people to serve. Uh, even I have to play song leadings and all those, you know. So, pledge, pledge, give pledge to the church. Sustain this church. Bless the church. And the facility that we use, we have to remember that, you know, uh, the kingdom of God, we still need money to keep the, keep the, uh, our facilities and everything going. Amen? It's good to be back. It's good to see so many familiar faces. You know, uh, it's almost, I cannot imagine, it's almost about one and a half years that I've been in Macau and to devote myself into service and realize that life in ministry really humbles you because every time we step onto the pulpit, it really humbles us because there's so much we don't know, there's so much we're still learning, especially in terms of preparations of uh, sermon. Preparation of sermon is actually very hard work, you know. You should appreciate our, our pastors. The work they put in. <laughs> every time, every time I prepare someone, my brain cells die. Millions of them. <laughs> but I enjoy doing it because there's a passion in me that I want to preach God's word. So I spend hours and hours. And I was told, you know, if you come up from Bible school, the first five years of your life, you'll be struggling to prepare someone, and that's true because it's really hard. Today, everything we speak. Every speak, everything we speak on the puppet, we need to do research and make sure that everything that we speak uh, is correct, is being backed up by, biblical, by the Bibles and, and uh, that is accurate. Because especially when we speak in uh, urban cities, the, the members are very knowledgeable. After that, you know, you say anything wrong, they'll, they'll question you. Did you say that? So if I finish, after I finish, don't ask me that question, right? <laughs> Let's start with a prayer. Father, we give you praise, we give you thanks because you deserve all honors, Lord. And as we come before you this morning, Lord, open our heart and mind that we receive your words, O Lord. Let your words be sowed onto fertile ground, O Lord, that we will grow, it will bear fruit for you, Lord. Because it is what uh, it counts, Lord, your kingdom counts. And help us, O Lord, to be strengthened by your words. Those who come with a need, Lord, you satisfy those needs too, Lord. Because, Lord, we know you are our provider. You are our God. You are our 
wine and we are your branches, Lord. Apart from you, we can do nothing, Lord. We commit our time to you. Speak to us, Lord, through your words. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen? There's this story about American couples. And they've been working all their lives, you know, very hard, hardworking couples. And eventually they retired, they saved some money. Like all retired couples, they decided it's good to go traveling. Uh, they'll have a world tour. Eventually, they traveled to Asia and for the Philippines, China, and all these places. Then they went back towards, they went back to Europe. Eventually, they ended in Jerusalem. So they, they were having fun, they were seeing uh, towards the end of the tour, they were planning to go back to America. And some, something happened towards the night, and the wife had difficulty breathing. So the husband had to rush her to the hospital, and unfortunately she passed away because of a heart attack. So the husband was shocked by the turn of the UN. Eventually, but he still need to deal with his wife and how to bring her back to uh, America. And so he looked around and he found an undertaker. Then he was talking to the undertaker and the undertaker got to know about his problem and his background a little bit. So the undertaker made a suggestion to him. He said, you know, look, you do not have relatives in, in uh, America. So it's no point for you to ship her body back to America. The best is, you know, because it will cost you about 15,000 US dollars to ship her back. The best is if you can get her buried here, it only costs, her, costs you 3,000 US dollars. And we have beautiful burial ground we can choose for you. And the husband looked at the proposal, he thought it was quite interesting, and it saved him money, and then he thought it makes sense. So he began to negotiate with the undertaker. Then suddenly he remembered something. He said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to bury my wife here. Because I remember 2,000 years ago, a man was buried and he was resurrected. The resurrection of the king. Even as I'm preaching here this morning, the story of resurrection of Jesus is being preached all over the world. In some part of... Uh, unknown villages, corners, streets, hospitals, homes. The story is being passed down from generation to generations, and it becomes a legacy that has a, a, uh, that has a life on its own. And it will continue to live on and on until perhaps the day when our Lord comes again. Not too long ago, in uh, last September, no, sorry, last November, I believe uh, many of us would have read the story about an American missionary by the name of John Allen Chow who went to a remote, a remote island in uh, India. And then he was trying to reach out to a tribal group of people who, who are out of touch with civilization for as long as they, exist, they existed. So in the process, when he went there to try and share with them the story of the resurrection of Jesus, which means the, the story of the, the gospel of Christ. He was killed. 
Ellen was one of the many known casualties of people keeping the legacy of the resurrection alive. Why? Why are people like Alan willing to give up his life, his comfort in the United States and went all the way to a remote island to try to reach out to people he hardly know and to tell them about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? This morning, we, we want to find the answer through looking at one of the giants of a Christian faith who gave up his comfort, his standing in his society, his religious status to keep the story of the resurrection alive. So let me title the message today, Keeping It Alive. And we take uh, the scripture which I'm taking is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 11. Sorry, I don't have my Bible. <laughs> Can I have my Bible? This, this is what inexperience is about. <laughs> this, is not a, this is not a correct scripture, you know? First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 11. Yeah, sorry. Okay, I shall read to you 1 to 11. The message actually covered the entire chapter 15, but we read from 1 to 11. Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are safe if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I receive, I pass on to you, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still alive, uh, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it was I or they, if this is what, I, what we preach. This is what you believe. In a larger context, when we read about Corinthians, we 
that Paul wrote the letter to the First Corinthian church, the church has a lot of problem. You know, they have problem with leadership. They have problem with um, sexual immorality. They have leaders challenge each other. They have uh, people suing each other in the church. So Paul was writing this letter to deal with some of this issue, and. This, this portion of the scripture is eventually he come towards the end of the, the scripture. He was, de- the, he was dealing with, at the end of the letter, sorry, he was dealing with the issue of theology because, because some people in the church already uh, uh, creating doubts regarding the idea of the resurrection of Jesus among church members. So, so he was, he was, in this portion of the scripture, he was dealing with this issue, and I believe even today, in among churches, among members, some of the members, we, we still have doubts regarding our faith. Because I've come across a lady uh, in Macau, when I asked her about her faith, because she just, I think she just accepted Christ for about two years. So I asked her about her faith, uh, do you uh, believe in Jesus? Do you really believe in all those? Um, she says she had doubts, had doubts about her faith. And it's quite natural, you know, in the first few years, even for myself, it took me about three years to really come to faith and believe. Even though at the time when I accept Jesus Christ, I just accepted for a reason that, you know, uh, there's the only way uh, of salvation. But I did not understand the, the part about why Jesus died on the cross. I did not understand the part about resurrection because we hear about resurrection all the time. We do not understand the significance of resurrection. So, throughout chapter 15, Paul was giving elaborate arguments regarding the the resurrection of Jesus. So in this message, I want to highlight four important reasons that Paul, why Paul gave up his life to preach, to share the, the message about the resurrection of Jesus. The first reason that uh, that he has because the, the, the message of resurrection has a divine origin. We look at uh, the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, the first part. Paul says, For what I receive, I pass on to you as a first importance. One thing we should remember that Paul is not part of the original 12 disciples, he came later. He did not experience the Easter week just as the other disciples experienced. He actually, at the time, at the time he came into the scene, it was already five years after Jesus passed away, and that uh, time the disciples, like uh, Peter, John, and James, they were busy preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. And when Paul came along, Paul was actually busy catching all the Christians, and then dragged them into into jail and then some of them get tortured, some of them get murdered. So one day, one day Paul was on his way to, to Damascus. He was carrying a letter of authority from the, the, the religious leaders to, to, to arrest, to catch uh, Christians who are uh, believers of Jesus and then to drag them to jail. But then along the way in Damascus, we all know that he met, he had an encounter with Jesus. And that encounter turned him, turned him around and he became one of the most tenacious evangelists that we find in, in our biblical history. And then he was a theologian 
he was a teacher, he was an apostle. He wrote, he wrote about 13 chapters, 13 books out of the 27 books in the New Testament. So we can, know, we can see that Paul is, Paul is a very important person in our church history. In the book of Galatians, Paul show where he actually received the gospel. Slide number five. I want to show you, brother and sisters, that the gospel I preach is not of human origin. You can see, huh? okay, good. I did not receive it from any man, no, I was taught of it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Paul was a Pharisee. He was uh, very, he was very fanatical about uh, fanatical about the, his, uh, his God. So he stopped at nothing. He stopped at nothing to prevent the what, what he considered as a heresy. You know that was passing around that many Jews were turning, many Jews and Gentiles were turning towards the, the the new faith that is going around. So we know that. Eventually, when he encountered Jesus, he was turned around. We see that the, the powerful testimony of Paul tells us that, you know, he, his, his source, what I say, cannot be from himself because he was the enemy of the faith. In fact, Paul, when he... Paul, the, the, the gospel which Paul preached uh, uh, to, to, to the Gentiles was not from... He was not influenced by the, the disciples of Jesus because when he received the revelation from Jesus, he, was, he went to Arabia and then he went to Damascus. He was there for about three years. Then only eventually he went to Jerusalem. He made up, made up with uh, uh, Peter, James, and John. And then they, they tried to uh, synchronize the story and then he found out that his story was correct. And uh, so from this, from this experience, we know that Paul's origin, uh, Paul's uh, story uh, about, about the resurrection is not from himself it's actually from revelation of Jesus Christ the second thing the second reason why he gave up why he gave up his life to keep the legacy of resurrection alive is that it was a divine plan slide number seven this is what Paul say that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. In according to the scriptures, Paul established that the death of Jesus was planned long before he came to the scene. One of the most outstanding features of Bible, we all know that, is prophecies. Prophecies that uh, 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 tell what is going to happen. Proph prophecies reveal the divine nature of the Bible, and the Bible has more than 300 prophecies regarding Jesus. So why are these prophecies important? Because our God is God who will not do anything before He announces it. So we look at slide number 8. We look at Amos uh, chapter 3, verse number 7. And it says here, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plan to His servants. And then in Isaiah 46, verse 10, God says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient time, and what is to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. 
The Bible is full of examples of how God, how God gives warning, reveal His plan before He actually carries out that plan. We, 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 if you read, if you read the, the Old Testament, you realize that you know, there are a lot of things that God did. He actually sent His prophet to, to announce it, especially when He, when he warned when he warned the, the Israelites, he warned Judah about the sins that they were committing. And they keep sending, he keeps sending prophets and tell them, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Eventually, he really did it. Even when Abraham, when God told Abraham that you're going to I, uh, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be the father of many nations. And I'm, give you, I'm going to give you this land. If you read Genesis chapter 15, Abraham asked God, how am, how am I going to inherit this land? And God says that, you know, your, you, your descendants will be, will, be, will, be, will be enslaved in a place unknown for 400 years. And then after that, I will deliver them and bring them back to this land. You know, God plan all these things long before it happened. And uh, we see that the crucifixion of Christ was prophesied long before it happened. And Isaiah was a prophet who lived 760 years before Jesus was born. And he foretold the coming of Jesus that he's going to be pierced by nail on the cross. And this is a famous verse we know in Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wound, we are healed. And then another prophecy that is very, really, very clearly defi- uh, describing, describing how Jesus was being nailed to the cross in Psalm 22. And it was written by King David almost over 1,000 years before Christ was born. And this is amazing. This is an amazing prophecy, you know, which is so clear, cut uh, description of how Christ was going to be crucified. We look at slide number ten, Psalm twenty-two, verse fourteen. I'm poured out like a water, like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned into wax. Yes, melting within me. He talks about the condition of Jesus when he was being hung on the cross, and his bones. His, his bone, his joints are all loose. And then in the next verse, he said, My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. And the time when he was hung for many hours, he had dehydration. And then the next slide, slide number 11. Dog surrounds me, a pack of villains and encircled me that pierced my hand and feet. And soldier, it was a Roman soldiers who pierced him. And, and then the next one, he said, all my bones are on display. People stared and gloat over me. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was almost naked. So he, this, this verse described his nakedness on the cross. And then the next verse, it talks about his clothes being divided by the Roman soldiers. And it was fulfilled when, when Matthew wrote in 27 verse 35 that the soldiers divided his clothes by casting lots. Then we have the best known the best known scriptures about 
the resurrection of Jesus is found in uh, Psalm 16 verse 10 slide 13 because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead nor will you let my faithful see decay so all these scriptures tell us that God God planned his things long before it happens and he revealed those plans to people so that you know uh, they know that it's from him so what Paul received as a revelation from Jesus is consistent with what the scripture has revealed the third reason why Paul gave up everything for the, to transmit the legacy of the, the resurrection of Jesus was that it has the divine purpose. Everything God does in His plan, He has divine purpose. That's not I talk about. That's not I talk about Abraham and God told him, "Your your descendants will be will be enslaved in a land for 400 over years." Do you understand why? Do you know why so I was asking myself long, long ago, why did God have to put them through 400 years of slavery before He sent someone to, to deliver them again? It was because when God pro promised Abraham the promised land, He was only alone, just with His family members. And it's not enough to take over Canaan land because you realize that when, when Joshua led the Israelites into the Canaan land, they have 600,000 uh, 600, people. They actually have a big army of people to conquer the Canaan line. Without the numbers, they cannot take... Abraham by himself, he cannot conquer the land. Another reason is, Abraham, when God called Abraham, Abraham was a merchant. He was traveling, traveling around doing business. They are not armies. By the time God put them into Israel, uh, sorry, put them into Egypt for 400 years, they came out as slaves. They came out in through, they, they, they lived through very harsh, harsh conditions. They actually were well built to live through the desert, you know. They were being built as an army. And, and, and through, through, through Egypt, then we read in Exodus, the numbers keep multiplying, multiplying, and multiplying. And God gave time for 400 years for them to be ready to take over Canaan land. By the time they came out from Egypt, they were all well built, seasoned, harsh because they, lived, they, because they actually lived through hard condition. They came out as, as an army of God. They have the numbers to conquer the Canaan line. Where am I now? Okay. Yeah, divine purpose. So when we. Okay, we go to the next verse. This is what Paul says, if the dead are not raised, then Jesus Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sin. And the next verse, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. And if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all of, of all people mostly most to be pitied. Whether you have been a Christian for one day, one month, or even 20 years, our Christian faith actually hinges on this, these few verses. It is the most important verses that you should, you should hang on to it. I always tell people, you know, there are people who question about the, the Bible. They, they pick up verses, they pick up stories from Old Testament, New Testament. They ask questions. You know, they challenge the, the Bible, the accuracy of the Bible. Those, those things are not important. The important thing 
you have to know, you have to remember is did Jesus Christ rise from dead? That's the, that's the only thing you need to know because everything in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament is built up towards this is actually the climax, the pinnacle of the Bible. That because if Jesus Christ did not rise from dead, the whole Bible is useless. Our faith is useless. Our faith is useless if Jesus did not rise. Not even when Jesus died on the cross because if He died on the cross and He did not come out from the tomb, the story, we are still in our sin. Because it just means that he's, we, cannot, we cannot rise again. So we are be, Paul said we will be the biggest fool. We will be the biggest fool to believe the most pitiful people on earth. Because we, we, we waste our life. We come here and every Sunday to worship. To worship a God that is false. But then Jesus rose from that. That's why Paul say, this is not in the slide. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 30, As for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I die every day. Paul said, I risk my life every day to preach the gospel, to preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul had everything in his life, but why, why did he risk his life to do that? One of the common objections, I mean, when you go around and share gospel with people, and of course, I was one of them. I questioned, why? Why is Jesus the only way to truth and to life? Why is He the only way? The, this, is, this is the answer. The resurrection of Jesus was, Jesus was a practical demonstration of the possibility of eternal life. If Jesus can die and rise again through his flesh, it shows that we as human, because he, he became human just like us, so he's showing us an example that by dying and rise again, we also can do that. It's a powerful demonstration of the practicality of what he's teaching us. I mean, you can go and listen to all religious doctrine, people teaching you, telling you, you can come back again, you can be reborn and reborn, where is that practical part of it? Who has been reborn? And this is the part, the most important part of our Christian faith is Jesus died and rose again. And if we did not do that, we can never, we can never, uh, we, we, we can never uh, be assured of our salvation. But he demonstrated that, he personally demonstrated that it can be done. If there's other way, if there's another way that there's a salvation, uh, yeah, we can have salvation, then Jesus did not have to die on the cross because whatever he did on the cross and resurrection is a waste of time. This is the most important truth you have to know today so that your faith can be strengthened knowing that there's no other way. And Jesus said, I am the way because he did it. Amen? So it is to assure us that if Jesus could conquer the grave, so can we in his name. The fourth reason why Paul gave all he had to keep the legacy of resurrection was because he had a divine mandate. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3, Paul said, it's the same verse we, we had just now, for what I received, I pass on to you as, first, as of first importance. He passed it on. What he received is the most important thing that he passed it on to people he came, he, he came across even down to our generation now. 
Paul was called as an apostle to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Slide 19. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, For this purpose I was appointed, to her, uh, appointed a herod and an apostle. And I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. And the true and faithful teacher of, to the Gentiles. Then he said, Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Paul was given a divine mandate to pass down the story of the resurrection of Jesus. And his divine mandate is not just by his own words. Because if you read um, in Acts, it's not in the slide, it's in Acts chapter 9, verse 13. After Paul was blinded uh, by his encounter with Jesus, he was led to a house, a house in, uh, I think it's Damascus, uh, Damascus. And God sent a disciple by the name of Ananias to go and pray for him. And, and, and Jesus told Ananias, go to this man, in, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. So Paul's claim of his divine mandate is actually not just his own words, but also from people around him. We do a reflection now on the application part of this knowledge. Slide 20. The theme this year for this church is about building legacy. I believe by now, uh, our senior pastors and the other pastors have already teach you the definition about legacy. A legacy basically can be anything that you pass down from generation to generation or anything that you inherit. It can be material wealth, can be knowledge, can be uh, whatever contribution that you've done to society. And it could be spiritual. By and large, most of us will leave some, some form of legacy. Uh, the least that we do, you leave, you leave a legacy to your children. Uh, it can be your, your house, your motorbike, or your bicycles, you know, whatever you have. So there'll be something that your children will remember you by. But in the context of a church legacy, in the context of a church, the building legacy is we are more interested in a spiritual legacy. Spiritual legacy is what do we leave behind as men and women of God. One of the most, one of the popular tourist spot and attraction in Washington DC of the United States is Arlington National Cemetery. It has about 624 acres of military uh, uh, land, which is a military cemetery in Arlington County, Virginia. Among the well-known people who have been buried in that place is uh, President John Kennedy and uh, astronauts from the shuttle Challenger, you know, the, uh, the Challenger when it exploded in the air and then the astronauts died and then they were buried there. And many, many well-known Americans who give their life to serve their country they are buried in this cemetery. And then in this cemetery, there's one tomb that is most unusual among all the graves in the cemetery. 
stay, stay with that. Stay with the picture first. Okay. And that tome is carved out of 120 tons of white marble. It's the whitest marble you can find. And in that tome is inscribed here. Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. Known but to God. Why is this tomb getting so much attention? Because this tomb, the, the government of America, they put a special honor guard to guard the tomb. Can we go back to the picture before? The picture before this. Slide 20, sorry, slide 21. Yeah. A special honor guard a group of selected armed American soldiers is placed uh, in a 24-hour rotation to guard the tomb 365 days a year. And each guard has to march across the tomb 21 steps one way and then he, he pause for 21 seconds and then he has to turn back and then he'll do that marching. And he'll stay there, he'll do that for about, uh, how long is it? 30 minutes. A day. 30 minutes, then they have a, they have a, a, a what do you call it, a transfer, another soldier will take over. So they'll do that, they'll do that 365 days a year. For a soldier, it is one of the most, it's the highest military honor to be selected as a guard to guard this tomb. And the condition to choose these soldiers are very stringent. The guard must live in the barrack under the tomb for a term of two years. They cannot drink alcohol. They cannot, they cannot swear again for the rest of their life. They must keep their life impeccably, impeccably clean and void of any kind of controversy. For the, six month, they, the, 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 for the first six months of their duty, they cannot talk to anyone or they cannot watch TV. All their off-duty time is to spend studying the life, the history of 175 people who are buried in this tomb laid to rest in this tomb. And every guard must spend five hours each day to get their uniform, their, their, all their buttons and all those to polish nicely, you know. So it's almost like an elaborate religious, uh, elaborate religious uh, uh, preparation to just to honor these uh, soldiers who are being buried in this unknown tomb. And the, 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 the creed, there's a creed which they follow the next yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't put in the whole uh, script, I just chose some, of the, some, of the, uh, 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 some part of it. It says, my dedication to this sacred duty is total and wholehearted. In the responsibility bestowed on me, I will never falter. And with dignity and perseverance and my standard will remain perfection. Though the years of diligence and praise and the discomfort of elements I will walk my tour in humble reverence to the best of my ability. It is He who commands the respect I protect, His bravery that made us so proud. The question is why the tomb of the unknown soldier is guarded with such pride and honor. There are three reasons. First reason is 
to honor the sacrifices of those who have gone before. The second reason is to send a message to the future generation that the country will continue to fight and keep alive the ideal of the liberty of freedom and freedom, the legacy which the founding fathers of America has uh, started. The guard, they, they're not only guarding individual soldiers, but the spirit of the legacy an ideal which must be kept alive that passed down from generation to generation. The honor guard stand guard to honor the legacy of soldiers who given their lives to defend and preserve an ideal liberty and freedom for every citizen of America so that they can put a price, a value on this ideal and they will never take for granted and forget that their freedom are purchased without the shedding, not without the shedding of the blood of those who have gone before them. Likewise, today, the freedom we received through the legacy of the resurrection was paid not only by the blood of Jesus, but also by the blood of many men and women who gave their lives to defend, to pass down, and to keep the legacy of the resurrection alive. Unlike the American soldiers in the tomb, the soldiers of the Christian faith, they do not have a regiment of soldiers to guard and honor them. But like the unknown soldiers, they are known but to God. If there's a spiritual legacy that we can build and leave behind, we can live a life pure and holy, for Jesus and like the honor God who give their life give their life impeccable white of any controversy and never dare to falter so that we could honor the memory of those who have gone before us of course we, we, we honor the memory of our Lord who give his life so that we can be purchased from our sin and we also honor the memory of men and women including Paul and Alan just now I mentioned who gave their lives and took on the main date to keep the legacy of the resurrection alive we can also build our legacy our spiritual legacy by inheriting the banner to pass down the legacy of resurrection keeping it alive so that our children our grandchildren and the generation down the line they will know of the legacy of the resurrection of Jesus so that they themselves too can enjoy the freedom we experience today. Above all things, we must not falter in keeping alive the legacy of resurrection because, the, because of the eternal consequence of failing is not something that we want to see. There is no guard of honor to guard the legacy of the man and woman of Christian faith at the tombs. We are all God of honors. In keeping the legacy of the resurrection alive, we are honoring the memories of these men and women who give their life so that we are free today. Can I have the musicians?
in conclusion, the story of the resurrection of Jesus lives today because from generation to generation, God has raised up millions and millions of people, men and women, to pass on this legacy. That includes Alan and, and Paul, who not only embrace it by faith, but also willing to put their life online for the legacy. The legacy is being preached, is still being preached and keeping alive by millions around the world today simply because it has these four factors, four reasons. Number one, that it has a divine origin. Second, it has a divine plan. Third, it has a divine purpose. And fourth, a divine main day. What is the legacy we all are building here today? What is your legacy? Can we start, can we all rise and worship? Even as, even as our worship team is leading you into worship, I want you to think about what you are doing today. Pray and ask God, Lord, what is my legacy? What is the legacy you want me to leave behind? Focus on the spiritual legacy, not your physical legacy. At the end, you want to ask yourself, the legacy which you are building today, does it have a divine origin? Does it have a divine plan? Does it have a divine purpose? Does it have a divine mandate? And last, does it really matter to the kingdom of God?